0: Okay, so the last, uh, last week we were looking at Matthew six and we were looking at Jesus teaching before the Lord's Prayer where he warned his disciples against praying like hypocrites or praying like pagans. Instead they were to pray in sincere faith to God alone. And now we're gonna look at the model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we're going to look just at the first section in verses 9 and 10. And before we do, let's open in a word of prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you call us to pray and you teach us to pray. And as we read your word, um, may our hearts just be open to what your spirit wants to teach us in them um, so that we may know how to pray to you and how to come to you. And uh, that hearing your word but also give us encouragement and faith and hope to come to you. And uh, may you just renew our hearts, renew our prayers to you by your word and spirit and by the grace found in Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. This is Jesus speaking. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, right in, in the opening of that prayer, we see what kind of relationship God wants to have with us. He wants to be your father in heaven. God invites you to call him father. And when you realize that he is God in heaven and yet he wants you to call him father, that's a... Remarkable, marvelous thing, and then maybe we've gotten used to it. Maybe we've got to just, you know, God, God, God our Father. We just maybe we hear it all the time, so we're used to it. But um, when we think of God, the Heavenly Father, I mean, this teaches us that God is both near and yet He's also transcendent. Because as God in heaven, He is beyond and just above and beyond all that we can comprehend. When we try to think about Him, God, in heaven, it, it, it's beyond what we can imagine or know. And Because when we think of God, He is he's the true Father behind every good father. And His love is the true love that all earthly loves are trying to imitate. But He also wants us to call Him Father. He is near and close, and personal. And that's all the more marvelous because he is, he is the, hev- the God in heaven who is everywhere, who is beyond what we can understand, and he wants to be near and close to us. And if he is really our heavenly father, then that means that in some way we are like him. We have something, something in us is from him. We are connected to him. But Jesus also makes it clear that not everyone can truly call God their Father. In the Gospel of John chapter 8, verses 42 through 47, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, But he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus is pointing out that our actions and choices reveal what is in our heart. And so if we are not living consistently with God's righteousness and God's love, then we are not God's children. And if we are rejecting his righteousness and his love and we are opposing it, then our hearts are not of God, but of the devil who is the father of all lies. But if we are truly God's children, then our sincere prayer will be, Hallowed be thy name. And when something is hallowed, it means that it is treated with honor. It is valued as, as holy and grand. It is cherished as a very great treasure. And God's name represents all that he is. It's the knowledge of God, all that he has revealed of himself to us in Scripture. And God's name, all that he is, is holy, and, and nothing we, we can do to, can, can make it more holy than it already is. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're praying that his name would be treated by us as holy and also be treated that way by others. And we hallow his name when both our teaching and the way we live are godly and are true to Christ. So when you you pray this prayer, hallowed be thy name, you're you're praying that your heart and your life would honor God. You're you're praying that your heart would truly love God as your treasure. You're praying that you would honor him with your thoughts and your words and your deeds. And you're praying that he would enlighten you so you can see if, if there's any of your ways that are wicked, And dishonoring to him so that you can change your ways. And and this is what King David wrote about in Psalm 139 verses 23 and, and 24 when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So hallowing God's name will involve our hearts and our actions, and if we're hallowing his name, then we will choose what honors him, and we will avoid what profanes his name, and one of the worst ways God's name is profaned is when it is used to promote false teaching, and um, this happened to be what we were also covering in our, our, our Sunday Bible School Bible study today, but it coincides with this teaching right here. You know How is God's name most dishonored, most profaned? It's when we use his name to teach what is false. And many cults and religions today in our world use the name of Jesus Christ to promote false teaching or to promote a false view of God. And some t- churches have distorted the love and grace of Christ to teach, us, to teach people to accept what God in fact forbids. Or they, and they use Jesus Christ to promote a, a false God. And the other way God's name is profaned by us is when we live openly wicked lives. And if we have any question about whether we're living an openly wicked life, we need to his, look at his word and read it. It will show you <laughs> very quickly where you are living in sin, and especially the Ten Commandments. And if we just consider some of those Ten Commandments um, and, and think about them for a minute, we'll, we'll, we get a look at our own hearts. And just considering a couple here, honor your parents, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not steal, do not covet. And of course, the, the heart of these commands is much deeper it's not just, do you honor your parents? Well, do you, do you despise them in your heart? Is there anyone that you hate and wish for their destruction? Do you honor God's created order for marriage and sexuality? Do you stand up for the truth or do you allow lies to thrive? Do you protect your, not just your goods and property, but other people's goods and property? Do you ever resent someone else for their wealth or their good life? Do you let greed and envy or jealousy rule your heart and ruin your own contentment and happiness? If we sincerely pray, hallowed be thy name, then that starts with us. It starts with our hearts and our actions. And so we're, we're praying that his righteousness, his righteousness, his love would rule in our hearts. We're praying that his kingdom would come. God's children pray that his kingdom will come. And, and Jesus declared in his earthly ministry, he declared the kingdom had come. With his coming, the kingdom had come. But he also declared it is continually advancing and it will one day come in all its fullness. And he promised that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so his kingdom is coming, whether you pray for it or not. And and this is very different than many pagan ideas of prayer. There there is a pagan idea of prayer that, that the prayers and belief of men and, you know, feed and strengthen the gods. And, uh, and this even gets into our fairy tales and stories. And I'm thinking of, of a movie, it's probably about 10 or 12 years old now, called Rise of the Guardians. And it's a children's animated film and includes all the holiday uh, fairy tale characters like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And in the story, in the movie, these characters start losing their power because the children stop believing in them. And and God is not like that at all. He is eternal. He is all-powerful. Our prayers cannot feed him, and our lack of prayers cannot starve him or starve his kingdom. So your prayers then for his kingdom are not feeding the kingdom. And rather, they they are evidence that his kingdom is at work in you and in your heart. And that his kingdom has come among us. So when you pray, thy kingdom come, you are praying that God's kingdom would triumph in your heart so that you partake in his kingdom forever. And so you're, you're praying that God's kingdom would come in power and that you enter it and partake in it and remain in it forever. And you pray this not just for you, you're praying this for your neighbors and others around you, that the kingdom would come in power in their life. And the kingdom comes in power against sin and also with power for us to live righteously for God. And that when God's kingdom comes in power against sin, I think of it like, like a bulldozer. It just comes and it busts down, breaks down that wall of sin. It's wreck it just comes as a bulldozer wrecking things. But God's kingdom does not bulldoze you <laughs> because of the grace of Christ. Instead, when his kingdom comes coming in power, it's like it's like the fuel that gives strong power to a to a powerful engine. And so before the kingdom came before we had Christ and His Spirit in our lives. All our attempts to to live righteously was like we were trying to pull a semi trailer out of the mud in our own strength, to strap that around our backs, and we're trying to live righteously in our own strength, trying to pull it out while we have shackles of sin on our on our body, and we have walls of of lies boxing us in. You know, your that struggle. You're, is always going to feel like you can never move it. But when the kingdom of God comes in power, then it bulldozes those walls of lies, it breaks those shackles of sin. And it gives fuel to live righteously. But not, it doesn't feel you as if you are pulling that load now in your own power. It's more like you are riding in that truck that's eternally fueled up, and the truck is driving. It's pulling that righteousness along. So, and that's like Christ when he says to us, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And that's like the idea of having two oxen on the same yoke, and one is powerful, and the other is just kind of along for the ride. And that yoke is the one pulling that yoke is Christ. Christ in us. And so I I think this is a, this is a, a fair uh, illustration, parallel, to kind of help us understand it here. Um, so the kingdom comes in power, that we may live each day in the strength of God. And Scripture describes also the coming of the kingdom of God as deliverance from the power of evil and as a new life in the kingdom of righteousness. And here's some Scriptures that speak to this. John Chapter 8, verses 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Colossians 1, verse 13. He, God, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In John chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of, of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So in these verses I just read, we, we see both what Jesus came to do, and how it is that we are children of God, that he is our heavenly father. Jesus Christ redeemed us from sin by his death and resurrection, and he delivered us from the kingdom of the devil. He set our hearts free from from sin and death and the devil and evil conscience, and he transferred us into his kingdom where we live forever holiness and life and salvation. But this rule of his kingdom is not against our will, because when he comes, he gives us a new heart so that we love the things of his kingdom and we long for them, and we, we willingly govern ourselves according to his kingdom. And this happens when the Holy Spirit brings the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ into our hearts and God gives you faith to believe. And John six, sixty-five says, and Jesus said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. God gives the gift of faith. And it's in that gift of faith that we see that 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 is the way that He is our heavenly Father. We are God's children when his kingdom triumphs in our heart over sin. And that new heart is born within us. And that heart, that new heart, that is what is in us from God. And that heart, that new heart is yours through Jesus Christ. He died so that the power of sin in us would die away. And he was raised from the dead so that the life of God would be born in you and would live in you. And it's and this kingdom, the kingdom of God affects your heart and it affects your whole life. Matthew 6:33 says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you and what's all these things well he just jesus had just finished talking about all the things that we long for the things that we're going to miss out on that we might not have enough of that we the fulfillment and joy and happiness and and abundance and contentment that we long for and fear we might not have jesus all these things will be added to you when you have the kingdom We also see when when his kingdom reigns in our hearts, then we can sincerely pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, And we need to be continually praying, thy will be done, God's will be done on earth. On earth, that means in my life, in the life of my neighbor here in this world. And we pray for his will to be done because we know it is, it is good, it is perfect righteousness and love. And therefore, we long to see that in its fullness. But we also need to be daily praying for his will to be done because we need in our hearts to be submitted to his will and not to the evil that opposes us and tempts us every day. Because God's will is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And elsewhere in Scripture it says that the truth shall set you free. We also know that Jesus is the way and the truth. It's also God's will that his goodness, his truth, all the goodness that is God, that it shines out on all creation and that all creation reflects that back to him in enjoyment and obe- joyful obedience and praise and adoration. God is the source of all goodness and righteousness and love and joy. And his kingdom coming is, is the reigning of all these things. And it's the end, the ending, being brought to an end of suffering and wickedness and oppression and greed And hate, it's the ending of those things. And there is no kingdom of righteousness without God. Without the source of goodness, the kingdom will cease to be good. If you don't have the source of goodness in it, then the, the kingdom will cease to be good. There's no kingdom of righteousness without God. He's the only source of eternal good. And we, <laughs> we're daily tempted to live, to change this prayer, to, you know, to live for my kingdom come, for my will be done. Make me number one. But I always want to make me number one at others' expense. And when God is number one, it, it is never at others' expense because he is eternal and limitless. And when he is number one, we are all in that. We are all better. And we, our pursuit of our own kingdom and our own will is selfishness. And that taints all our pursuits with, with greed and with fear and hate. And so we need this prayer to pray thy will be done because in that praying thy will be done, we are submitting our will to God, and we are surrendering to His ways. We are pledging allegiance to His kingdom. And our truest example of this is Jesus, because on the night He was betrayed, He was praying in the garden. And it's clear from the text that He knew the suffering and the death that awaited Him. He knew the weight of sin that He would bear, and He dreaded what was coming. Matthew 26 records this for us in verse 38 and 39. Then Jesus said to them, his disciples, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here with me and, and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as You will. In his humanity, Jesus dreaded, dreaded the suffering that was going to come. He did not want it. But out of love for God the Father, he submitted and obeyed, even in his suffering, even to the point of death. And in his surrender and his suffering is your Redemption, your salvation, your renewal. His death forgives our sins and makes us children of God and gives us eternal life in the kingdom of God. And by His Spirit in us, you can resist evil and live for God. Galatians 4, 4-6 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. We submit to God because his will is good, and because we need God's strength every day against the evil that tempts us. So when you pray, when you come to pray and you see that your, your heart is unwilling, you see that you do, you do not look at God as your dear Father or you do not hallow his name by your life or you do not long for his kingdom to come, you do not submit to his will, When you see those things in yourself, then confess them to God. And you can pray something like this. God, my heart struggles with sin every day. But Jesus was your true son who hallowed your name with his life and brought your kingdom and perfectly submitted to your will. And for his sake, I am forgiven and I am your child. So teach my heart to see you as my dear heavenly father. Lead my heart to hallow you in my heart and how I live. Give my heart a a longing to see your kingdom come and teach my heart to submit to your will so that I can stand against temptation. And you can pray this in confident faith because God loves you and he has promised he will do this. He will answer this prayer because he has promised that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, his spirit dwells in them and his spirit is there so that you may know that he is your good heavenly father. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are our good Father, our Heavenly Father and that you love us and want what is best for us that you are constantly showing us grace and mercy and calling us to yourself that we might be your true children and call upon you as our Heavenly Father. And we thank you that you have sent your Son Jesus Christ to forgive us our sins and wash away our sins and to make us your true children and we pray that we would not be afraid to come to you in prayer, not shy away, but we would come to you freely, trusting in, in your love and in your grace towards us. And may as we come to you in prayer each day, may you, by your Spirit and your Word, teach us to pray that we might pray in spirit and in truth and worship you and grow in the knowledge of Christ and grow more and more into his likeness. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.